This is Radio Energy News. Good afternoon, everyone. I am Jessica Bowen, here with today's top news in Edinburgh. We have a roundup of the coronation preparation and our reporter Michael Montgomery has details on the rising crime rates in Edinburgh city centre with much more to come. A government minister says the security forces are prepared for the challenge the coronation may bring after a man was arrested outside of Buckingham Palace. The man is suspected to have thrown shotgun cartridges onto the grounds last night. Police aren't treating it as a terror-related incident, but are believed to be linking it to a mental health incident. Officers said a knife was found on the perpetrator, but he did not possess a gun. Security Minister Tom Tunghant talks on how officers handled the situation and shows how the preparation will go ahead ready for the weekend. I'm very glad to see that the police reacted incredibly quickly, incredibly professionally to the incident last night. We're in no way complacent and I'm very, very proud of the response that uh, the police have done. The intelligence services, the police and others have been working on this extremely effectively for months. The coronation will take place on Saturday and is due to start at 11 o'clock. They will mark King Charles's crowning alongside Camilla, the Queen Consort. The ceremony will formalise the monarch's role as the head of the Church of England and marks the transfer of their titles and powers. The coronation is likely to be shorter and smaller in scale than the late Queen Elizabeth II's that took place in 1953, with a wider range of religions present. Dress rehearsals for this weekend's coronation parades took place overnight in central London. The Diamond Jubilee State Coach and the Gold State Coach made their way down the mall as a part of preparations for Saturday. The General Commanding Officer, Major General Chris Gika, explains why there are significantly more troops involved in the march back at Buckingham Palace. The idea is to build the spectacle gradually, so you have a small procession, the enormous coronation uh, service itself in the Abbey, and then a very big procession back. Meanwhile, Buckingham Palace has confirmed that Prince Edward, Princess Anne and Princesses Beatrice and Eugenie will visit big lunch projects over the weekend, aimed at encouraging communities to share food together. It is expected that around 2,300 people will attend the event. The Duke of Sussex has confirmed that he will travel from the US for the coronation, but his wife, the Duchess of Sussex, will not attend. The event will be the first time Prince Harry will be seen in public with the royal family since his controversial memoir, Spare, that was published in January. Following the events, there will be a bank holiday across the whole of the UK on Monday the 8th of May. Pubs, clubs and bars across England and Wales will also be able to stay open for an extra two hours on Friday and Saturday of the coronation weekend. Is Edinburgh safe? Following the recent incident of sexual assault that took place in Prince's Street Gardens, Gregor and Michael explore how safe the streets of Edinburgh are and how the people feel. Police have arrested a 19-year-old man in connection to an alleged rape that took place early hours of Monday morning. The assault took place in Princess Street Gardens around 3.45. Police say are in the early stages of an inquiry. This comes after a rising serious crime in the capital, with Edinburgh being named the second highest city in Scotland for violent and sexual crimes. In 2022, violent crimes arose by 23% from 2021. Over the last few weeks in this programme, 
who have reported on several violent incidents that have occurred in the city, including a serious assault on a train in between Haymarket and Waverley, where a man was hospitalised, and a stabbing in Fridling Park. This leaves us with the question, how safe do people feel in Edinburgh? So we took to the streets to find out. As a woman in Edinburgh, I don't feel safe walking home at night. Um, the increased crime is terrible. Probably not. Probably, Probably not. get a taxi. I feel safe here most of the time, yeah. Uh, I stay in some of the rougher parts of Edinburgh. I cycle every day, but yeah, I feel okay. So say if you're at a social event as such, or maybe maybe a night out, would you feel safe walking back, back home by yourself, or do you think there's... Do you, do you feel any fear as such? No, I feel fine. I do feel for the women, though. I think I don't think it's as safe for women walking back at night. Uh, I think in general Edinburgh tends to be a safe place, but I think you can definitely see maybe in the past year a general sort of feeling of unsafety sort of creeping in. I think there's definitely more cases of people coming forward and just in general you see bigger groups of people in sort of t generally rougher areas, people kicking about and I think it does generally cause a bit of unsafety, probably, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> safe walking back by yourself or in a small group of friends? Yeah, I mean, I work at the uh, caves down Cowgate and I work, walk back to, like, uh, Tall Cross, mm -hmm. like, every couple of nights, so, or, like, 2 or 3 a.m. And I feel safe. <laughs> That's good. Do you, do you feel com comfortable walking by yourself as such through maybe new town sort of areas, like... I think it depends. I mean, like, for us, like, as, as like, gay people as well, it's sometimes different depending on sometimes what, like, you're wearing on, like, a night out or yeah. if you're at, like, a queer event. But sometimes if you have, like, a group of people, like, surrounding you, probably better. But, yeah. yeah. Nice. I felt really safe, like, five or six was all walking home. Mm -hmm. But then when you're by yourself, you do feel that, ooh, I do still feel that it's, like, urgent you time. Yeah. The fears of the Edinburgh population are contradictory to the police call and statistics that show a 4,000 drop in overall reported crimes. It's clear the people at Edinburgh are more concerned with the rise in violent and sexual crimes, especially at night time. Now, here's Kitty Houston with the latest national news. The Scottish College and University sector was scheduled to receive a total of £46 million. However, it has since been determined that this is an essential saving. The money dispersed by the Scottish Funding Council was already voted through by SNPs. John Sweeney, the former Finance Minister, promised the funds in the budget in December. The university sector was set to get 20 million and the college sector set to get 26 million. It's come as a Scottish college lecturer begin work to rule action by refusing to enter students' marks into recording systems and dispute overpay. On the second day of his quick visit to Scotland, Donald Trump was welcomed by personnel at his Tunbury golf course. After flying into Presswick Airport, the former US president made his way to the South Ayrshire Resort. Immediately following Donald Trump's arrival in Aberdeen, where he is visiting his golf course, political organisations reacted. He made the comment, it's great to be home, after touching down, alluding to his Scottish ancestry. Large crowds of people protested the former US president on his most recent visit, including Scotland Unite Against Trump activists. Here is Kirsty Hay, the organiser. We can never let him feel that Scotland is his escape where he can come to hide with his bigoted views and from his court cases. And like, Trump has repeatedly tried to use his Scottish heritage to make him seem more relatable. 
The deadline has passed for British nationals to fly out of Sudan as the agreed case fire will soon end. The last UK rescue flight left this morning at 9am transporting Britons through dependents, Sudanese NHS staff and other eligible nationalities. Yesterday evening, Downing Street said that 1,195 British nationals had been airlifted out, with the two most recent flights bringing 144 people to safety. Meanwhile, aid agencies have been struggling to help people on the ground. The UN Special Representative in Sudan, Volker Pertes, explains why. All the warehouses, WFP, UNHCR and others in Darfur were looted. Vehicles from the humanitarian agencies were looted. The offices of my own mission, UNITAMS, as well as of the agencies in most of the towns of Darfur were looted. Fewer paid career means family members are now putting their lives on hold to look after loved ones. Carers UK said that they're contributing the equivalent of £162 billion in social care to the economy in England and Wales. Margaret Ashman looks after her 91-year-old mother, who had a stroke 15 years ago, as well as her 33-year-old daughter, who has learning disabilities. She's told Sky's Ashna Haryang she doesn't believe her efforts are recognised. I feel so guilty. Sometimes I say to myself that I will take my mother and my daughter to the local authority and give them to social services so that they can find a place for them and see how much it will cost them to do that. And it's a shame that the government does not recognise us as carers. Now here's our reporter Jess McGinn talking about Colton Hill during the King's coronation. Scottish Republicanism supporters are set to appear at Colton Hill on May the 6th to rally at the same time as King Charles III's coronation. At 3pm this Saturday, a diverse gathering of many people dispersed across the political aisles are united and set to take the streets of Edinburgh in protest against the royal coronation and the ethics of a UK state which currently holds power over Scotland and its decisions. This comes at a time when political tensions are at their highest and Scottish nationalism is more powerful than ever, which is in direct contrast to the concept of a monarch reigning over Scotland and its neighbouring countries in Britain and spread over the Commonwealth. With assembly in Kelton Hill only being a few days away, we decided to go out into the heart of Edinburgh and speak to some members of the public and ask them to share their thoughts on the monarchy's role in the country and what their thoughts are in the congregation of anti-monarchy activists. We also asked them whether or not they'll be celebrating the monarchy or sharing anti-royal sentiments that go hand in hand with the sentiments that will be shared at the rally. On the monarchy, um, well, I think it's kind of like a parasite on society. (laughs) So I'm not very keen on them. And I think if they want to be king and queen, that's fine, but they should pay for it themselves. It has been confirmed that the rally will be led by Connor Cloy, Media and Communications Officer, for Organisers Our Republic and will feature seasoned politicians, political activists and pundits as they speak about the prospective future of a Scottish Republic and a democratically elected mandate, as well as the idea that the position of Head of State is one that must be democratically filled and not taken by a monarch who hasn't been chosen by the people. Despite the growing numbers of concerns for the political state of Scotland and the divisive politics for the future of our country, there is a lot more opportunity for varied and open discourse, However, some people are not in favour nor against such things as constitutional monarchy existing in the United Kingdom and thus remain on the fence when it comes to the topics at hand. Again, I'm a bit ambivalent. I don't really know. I won't be going to see the coronation. I don't know that I'll be doing anything particular to celebrate it. Notable names of attendees include Maggie Chapman and Lorna Slater of the Scottish Green Party. Councillors Ross McKenzie and Graham Campbell, 
David McClement of the podcast Ungagged. And last but not least, storyteller Melanie Chakravarti. Now here's our sports reporter, James McKenzie. Now, the latest sport highlights on Radio Energy. Celtic have recently announced that following the conclusion of their season, they will travel to Japan and South Korea for a pre-season tour. Celtic have previously visited Japan back in 2006, following the signing of Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, with those strong Japanese links restored with the signings of Kyogo Furuhashi, Ryo Hitate, Daisen Maeda, as well as many other Asian footballers, the boys will head back to the land of the rising sun this summer. Their first match has been announced today, taking on Wolves at Suwon Stadium on the 26th of July in South Korea, home of Celtic forward Oh Hyun Gyu. We spoke to Celtic State of Mind podcast Natasha Miko for her thoughts. Celtic know they've got a great fan base over in Japan and Korea, so firstly it's great to go over and acknowledge those fans and thank them for the support that they've shown for the team over the past year or so. And secondly, it's great for Celtic as a club to recognise the commercialisation opportunities and explore that in that market. The Madrid Open continues with the quarterfinals getting underway today. Reigning champion and top seed Carlos Alcaraz takes on Russian Karen Hatchinov, whilst women's world number one Iga Sviontek takes on Petra Martic at the Manolo Santana Stadium. Daniil Medvedev was knocked out in the round of 16 yesterday by fellow countryman Aslan Karatsev, while Stefanos sits past advance with victory over Bernabe Zapata Morales. Zhang Zhizhen also continued his remarkable run in Madrid, defeating world number 10 Taylor Fritz, also becoming the first Chinese man to enter the top 100. Rory McIlroy has admitted his mental health is the reason for pulling out of an RBC Heritage event that took place last month, coming not too long after he failed just short the cut at the Masters. After his poor performance at the Augusta Club, McIlroy refused to take part in any media interviews post-round. Missing a second PGA event of the Tour could cost McIlroy a hefty bonus, having already withdrawn from a previous event earlier in the season, one more than he is allowed to sit out. The Northern Irishman competes later this week at the Wales Fargo Championships, aiming to win the competition for the fourth time, with his most recent win at Quality Hollow coming in 2021. Both Hearts and Hibs women's teams are in action tonight, as Hearts take on Partick Thistle at home and Hibs make the trip west to face Glasgow City. Hearts will look to finish the season strong with a win over Thistle at the Orium, whereas Hibs will look to throw another dent in the title hopes of the league leaders, who despite being top of the table have lost two of the last three games. We spoke to Hibs reporter Stephen Kinnanmonth about his side's chances against league leaders. Um, I think hopefully Hibs can make it difficult for Glasgow City, to be honest. Um, they've kind of stumbled the last couple of games to it, well, two out of the last three is it that they've uh, been beaten by the two old foreign sides um, obviously it's not going to be easy but hopefully we can get a result Thank you James and now here's Ashley Douglas with some local news A bus window was smashed after what Police Scotland have called a disturbance in Clermiston last night The Lothian bus was located on Drumbray Drive at 5pm when its back window was completely smashed the cause of the damage is currently unknown, however some locals claim to have witnessed youth disturbance. Police have stated that inquiries are ongoing. A video of an East Lothian man pushing a van off a harbour has surfaced online. The video, recorded by the vandal himself, shows a white van being pushed off the edge of Kirkenzie Harbour this past Sunday. Police believe the perpetrator entered the vehicle to disable the handbrakes before the incident. The vehicle toppled from the harbour to the sand below where it sustained damage to the roof, windscreen and bonnet. Investigations are still ongoing. And a US naval ship that tipped over at the Leith docks over a month ago has now successfully been rated.
the RV Petrol, formerly owned by late Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen, tipped 45 degrees overboard on the 22nd of March. The ship was manoeuvred back into place and is now stable again. The incident was unlikely to have been caused by high winds, according to Strathclyde University's Marine Architecture Department. It caused 35 injuries and 23 hospitalizations, furthering concerns over worker safety recently put forward by Senior Associate Solicitor Nicholas Hagasava. Because what they do allows um, other work to take place, but we shouldn't be allowing them to go into situations where they are unfairly exposed to high risk of harm. Thank you, Ashley. Now here's our reporter, Aaron Fraser, who has the latest on Jack Devereaux, who is running the Edinburgh Marathon to raise money for Crohn's and colitis. A Fife man is set to run the Edinburgh Marathon after being diagnosed with a life-threatening bowel condition. Jack Devereaux was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in September 2021 after finding blood in his stool. Over a month passed and Jack finally went to seek help. Waiting to see if things all pass on their own and after about five weeks I was like I really should go and see about that and quite quickly they were like yeah your mum's got uh, ulcerative colitis so we're going to presume it's that but we're just going to do all the tests and they get you in a hospital and they do the test and right there and then they can tell you exactly what it is. Around one in every 227 people in the UK have ulcerative colitis and it is considered lifelong and unpredictable. The 23-year-old did not respond well to treatment and had to undergo life-saving surgery to remove his bowel and now has an ileostomy bag, commonly known as a stoma. The Glenrothes man is a keen sportsman and during his recovery he's been training for a 26-mile route on the 28th of May. I, I couldn't just sit there, I just I have to have a goal for something. Um, I, I actually can't just sit still, so I was like, what's really audacious and daft and something that People know I was a, I was an Olympic weightlifter before, so I've got big legs, quite short build, like stocky. I was like, people will see me run a marathon thinking, what is he doing? But they'll pay attention to the story. After BBC Radio 1 DJ Adele Roberts ran the London Marathon with a stoma, Jack says she's an inspiration for those with Crohn's and colitis along with others. My family showed me her and I'm like, look, it'll be okay. Like, she's doing amazing. I just thought, that's it, my life's over. Like, I, I'm finished, like all this stuff, um, because it happened so fast. But it was Adele Roberts, um, I heard a story about Darren Fletcher, the footballer, he also had one. And um, I've actually been in contact with him a few times. Um, there's a guy, Mesha, who he's all got an Instagram page, Mr. Crohn's and Colitis, and he's doing so much awareness on it. Jack has already raised over £1,200 for Crohn's and Colitis for their research into finding a cure for the disease. I actually only set out to raise £500. I think that was the number that I was like, that'll be amazing. Um, and I think I've tripled it, I want to say, tripled it. So totally buzzing, over the moon, people are amazing. Now, the weather on Radio Energy. Cloudy conditions today continue across Edinburgh with some spells of light drizzling and highs of 12 degrees. This is Radio Energy. Travel. Heavy traffic on the Edinburgh City Bypass westbound after a car was cleared from the road earlier this morning. Heavy traffic on the A8 with local roads remaining mostly clear. That was your lunchtime update. Thank you.